This episode of Push Your Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Okay, I'm actually not even going to talk about Patreon, but you know how to do that. Um, we are recording this before the Devils-Ranger game on Sunday. I'm traveling. If you're listening to this, I'm right now in Vegas at a conference for a couple days. Do my own thing. So Greg and I have a lot to talk about from the Ducks and the Oilers game. Honestly, the result of the Devils game, while important, um, doesn't affect a lot of our opinions, even if they win, even if they lose. A lot of this, the topics stay the same. So we'll be back later this week with the BSBOT on Patreon for that. Obviously, we'll be back the following week. I think we're going to try and have Shane on. She doesn't even know that yet. So if she's listening to this, Shane on. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, boy, do we have a lot to say today. Big episode with Chris, just Greg and I. Take a couple mailbag questions. A lot to go on. Um, so without further ado, here's Mark Messier. And boy, oh boy, hold on to your butts. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, how did you survive? How, how did I, I survive? How did any of us survive? I, uh, I, I'm trying to think, and I'm, I'm sure you're trying to think of it too. I don't know where this is going to rank on BSB Sadcast Legacy, but it's got to be high. Okay, great. Let's start here. Because yeah. I, I'm sad to admit how much I've been thinking about this. Took a long okay. bike ride today. Got some, did some chores. Whole time I'm thinking, all right, Greg and I have. It's been seven years now, mm-hmm. and we've gone through the whole saga. Really, mm-hmm. we started at the end of whatever the Hank era was, and that quickly pummeled. Like, hey, Keith Yandel, Eric Stahl. All right, then expectations go out the window. Full rebuild. We're doing Lee Stepniak nights. It's not good. Tanking. Get Kako, great. Get Lafreniere, great. Uh, Panarin comes, fucking awesome. Mika Zavinajad gets traded to us, fucking great. Things are great. Low expectations. We're like, okay, if the Rangers are making a playoff run, this is where the Rangers are supposed to be. Last year, I was high on the Rangers. A lot of people weren't. Was it overachieved? Eastern Conference Finals. It's all good. This year, team is supposed to be good. Supposed to compete for top two in the Metro. And I think these two games, Gregory, these two losing to the Ducks. A team that, and I would like to remind everybody, had never had a second period lead this season and had zero regulation wins. And then having a three-goal lead, 3-0, versus Edmonton Oilers at home with you in the building and a couple other people, let up four goals in 15 minutes. I think that is the two, two worst game stretch of this entire podcast in the regular season. Playoffs totally different beast in the regular season of this entire podcast history. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's specifically because if one of these things happened, if the Rangers had beaten the Ducks and then blown the three goal lead to Edmonton, we'd be like, all right, this team's really confounding, but I, I still think there's something here. If the Rangers lost to the Ducks in the way that they did, uh, but they beat the Oilers, a, a, a team going through one, but still a very talented, a very highly skilled team, you'd be like, all right, this team's starting to show some signs here. Am I feeling great? No. But do I think the world's ending? Also, no. Well, Greg, it's that's the comp, but like at the beginning of this uh, of the third period, I'm like, man, team's back. <laughs> team is back. 
Oh, it's like, oh, God, you put everything together there where it's, you know, it's, it's the fact that two goals came off the board. Another one could have been a 50-50 goal as well. Three nothing against uh, the Oilers. And you're, it, it's not just three nothing against the Oilers. It's like you have stifled Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl where I haven't felt totally threatened for long periods of this game. And it's, who I, I think what it comes down to, Ryan, is, again, we've done this podcast for seven years. And obviously when this podcast started, there were expectations. But I don't think, we never went into a season being like, this is a team that could win a Stanley Cup. I don't think we ever felt that way. We were always like some sort of... This is the first year. This is the first this was year the first, this was the first cup year, aspirations. Yeah, this was the first year where not just cup aspirations, but like we set the floor at Eastern Conference Finals. It would have been hard to justify the New York Rangers season as successful if they didn't at least match what they did last year, given everyone's a year older... We felt confident that the Trocheck over Strom upgrade was so good. You had confidence in the rookies taking a step forward. You had confidence in guys like Braden Schneider, Zach Jones, Vitaly Kravtsov sliding into the lineup and playing meaningful roles. You had confidence that there were enough not bad pieces in the lineup, the Barkley, Goodrows, um, that you felt confident in the 18 forwards the Rangers would dress on every night being capable of producing quality results. I think, and, Greg, just to, just to add to what you said, I think this is super important. Before yeah. the season, you and I said, this is the deepest Ranger roster we've seen in seven years, maybe of the last 15. Mm-hmm. Could be that far. It, it, and we didn't account for Julian Gauthier, who is yep. now on pace for 20 goals or so, or 15 goals or some shit like that through a quarter of the season. Fucking ridiculous. And this is a team that is benching Vitaly Kravtsov right now. That is how deep they are. And yet, and yet, here we are. Well. On the forward side, that is, not defense. Yes, the, the forwards, as crazy as it sounds, I still feel fine about the forwards. How could it, you not? Like, it is all there. Yes. The, the, the lines are not, they're not working. I think, it's, I think that's clear. The, I'm, I'm but even, so, even then, right, it's just like, the Rangers, <laughs> offensively against the Oilers, the Rangers produced enough offensively where they should have won that game. And looking at that game, watching that game from start to finish, my my takeaway wasn't the Rangers aren't producing enough offensively to win this hockey game. It's that, man, we really did not account, and I'm sure, I am sure, some of this, if not 60% of this, is even... W- <laughs> Even when Lindgren is healthy, the Rangers are playing with three top four defensemen because Jacob Truba, for whatever whatever will come out that Jacob Truba has, buddy, he is not working right now. He is too... There's a difference between... How many times on this show have we talked about the difference between hurt and injured? There is a significant difference. You can play hurt. Jacob Truba is trying to play injured, and it's killing the Truba Miller line. And it's he's like overcompensating in ways that is significantly hurting what it is that he does well on a nightly basis. And then you add into the fact that you are, okay, so you're dealing with that and he's in your lineup. Then Ryan Lindgren has left three different games this year hurt. And 
it becomes a catastrophe. Every single time. Just real quick about the, the Truba in, uh, injury. He said to Vince today, it's, it's definitely healing, or I, I want to find the exact quote. But it, it, in summary, uh, he talked about how he can be better, and he is. it's no secret. It's getting better slowly, but surely. Yeah, you what know does what? That mean? It, it would get better quicker if you stop playing through it. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? You, you're getting, he's getting pissed. Like, right. It's just how, <sighs> buddy, we're not doctors. We're not the smartest people in the world. We we're don't know two shit. guys who sit in front of a microphone and occasionally say something that some people find entertaining. But here's the thing. Um, when I blew up my hamstring on live radio, you know what I, you know what wouldn't have healed quickly if I kept trying to play kickball? My hamstring. And again, not a world-class athlete, don't have a PhD, grew up with a, a father that's a doctor and a mother that's a nurse. This is shit that I know. Rest and treatment. Right, that's baby. how you get better. Not continuing to do the thing that caused the injury in the first place. And then, uh, I'm sure you saw this clip, but uh, to, to add, to rub salt in the wound for Jacob Truba. Uh, it's a bad oh, the, No, dude, bad in, the, in the building, I saw the Dreisaitl stick, whatever the fuck. So for people happened. that haven't seen it, Dreisaitl after scoring the goal, Jacob Truba is skating towards the bench. Look, maybe purposely, maybe not, trying to block the Oilers. Dreisaitl slaps the stick out of his hand and just goes flying. It looks terrible for Truba, but I got to say, it's a no-win situation for him. If he goes at at Drysaddle there, it, that to be honest, that looks like a bitch move. Just honest, let's be honest. But it not not like- forget the bitch move part of it. If he goes after Drysaddle there, it's a penalty. The best case scenario, I think what Trouba was trying to do was draw the penalty to give the Rangers the advantage. But if he goes after Drysaddle, the best case scenario is it's now four on four, and it and might be a suspension for him. Not, but not just that. It could also just be the Rangers taking a penalty when they're down a goal. And now, like, you pull the goalie just to get back to even strength. So, it's literally a lose-lose situation for Truba in the sense that the best-case scenario, if he goes after Dreisaitl there, is two guys go off and one of them is Dreisaitl. Forgot to mention this at the top. We are recording this on Sunday at 7.15 p.m. So, this is before the Devils game. That's super important. If you're if you're wondering why, hey, why did they start with the Devils game? Mm. I'm traveling. I'm in Vegas right now for a conference, and I cannot record after the Devils game on Monday night. Greg might do a Patreon bonus if you want to see that. Depending on how the game goes, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe hard, Not, hard depending on hard, hard depending. But we'll be back with BSBOT later this week on Thursday to talk about the Devils and the Wednesday night game as well. Uh, but for right now, to be honest, it doesn't really matter what happens to the Devils game, even if they win. Even if they blow the Devils out, there are so many questions about this team right now that one win doesn't fix at all. No, God, no. Um, and it's this season was already shaping up to be one of the most frustrating because, again, it you guys are probably sick, absolutely disgusted that you and I come on the show and keep saying the Rangers look good, and they do. For oh, two I can't. They look uh, perfect. They, they looked awesome, but I can't tell you not to. It's getting late early. If you want to panic a little bit. I I can't tell you not to. Uh, it's, it's impossible for me not to, to tell I don't you not think, to. I don't even think it's a it's getting late early thing if you want to panic. I think the weaknesses the Rangers have this year are not immediately solvable. I mean, they can't trade for a defenseman right now. They, they can't. They need to wait longer to build more cap space to make it possible to get one of these defenders. So 
this isn't a case where like you and I would come on the podcast different days, different Mondays last year, and we'd be able to talk about guys I'd like to trade for right now because the Rangers can't wait any longer to bring guys in. This year, I feel the same way where like it's getting late early in terms of the Rangers need to make a move quick. They can't. And it, it, their, their trade piece right now is a guy they haven't played for seven games. So, like, again, you don't – I know we've said on this show, you do not play guys to showcase. I truly, truly, truly believe that. The Rangers, if they wanted to trade Vitaly Kravtsov, are in no position to be just putting him in the lineup to showcase him to other teams. I get that. I, I, I understand that. At the same time, if you are marketing him – to other teams like this is the guy you should trade for so you can give us a defenseman, why would they? Well, why would they, even if it's Patrick Kane? Like, even, and listen. Patrick you know, Kane's you, not going to help this team. I don't know how to make that more clear to people. What what ails this team right now, more than anything else on God's green fucking earth, is that they are playing when fully healthy, quote-unquote, with three top four defensemen. And Ryan Lindgren has popped Three different injuries this year. So actually, they're playing with two. And, and he's it's currently very... day-to-day still. And sure, cool. You know I'm not a Kane guy. I, listen, we had Evolving Wild on the on the show last week, and I've seen the Rampum chart for Kane. It is Red Bar Bad. Very, it's, like, it's a lot of Red Bar Bad. I know it's Patrick Kane. I know who he is as a player. I totally get it. But well, are we going to take it? The power play is good. We put, are we taking Trojak up the power play? Like, what is it just to get another right winger here? That Ooh. What? What's that? I did not realize I'm going through a little bit of a thunderstorm right now. Oh, very fun. Um, so are the Rangers. It's just November fucking 27th. How is there a thunderstorm in upstate New York? I don't know. Um, and it, to take a short check off the power play. Listen, a lot of people are going to want Patrick Kane. I, I understand the allure. I totally under. I, I get why you'd want another right winger like him. I'd rather have a Timo Meyer if I was going to go right wing uh, in this situation. We're going to see what they do in the deadline. But a lot of people are starting to mention defensemen again, and that comes back to the a conversation we had last year in Jacob Chikrin, which I'm sure we'll mention a couple other times in the show. Because Ryan Lindgren, as soon as he goes down, we, it's not a trend anymore. It's it's an analysis where we've seen it happen. Go him go out and versus Pittsburgh Penguins last year in the playoffs. Rangers collapse. He comes back and plays injured. Rangers end up winning the series, and defense becomes restructured. Great. Earlier this season, Ryan Lindgren goes out. Team collapses. And then again, this week on Saturday, as soon as he goes to the locker room, like why wouldn't teams, not that Lingrid is he's not adverse to physica- physicality. He likes to get hit. He likes to hit people. That's that's his game. That's why signing him to a long-term contract later on is going to be a little scary because his game does not age well because, because of the way he plays. But other teams, if you know that this is what makes the Rangers crumble, if they if Ryan Lingren's just off the ice, buddy, like they... Don't think teams don't think about that. They see this stuff. Yeah, the coaches sees this stuff. It's it's twofold to me where like I understand part of it makes perfect sense whenever Lindgren leaves the lineup. It's simple that you're asking Braden Schneider to do something he's not capable of doing right now. Maybe he can do it later. And he, again, it's important to remember he's still an incredibly young and green defenseman. The, not every defenseman at the 60-game mark of their career is Adam Fox. Also, almost had three goals in a row, bud. Like, <laughs> it's not like he's not performing. He had two no, goals. No, but... And he got I, called one back. But something changes in Adam Fox's game every time Lindgren leaves the lineup. And it drives me insane. I don't... This is not a criticism of Adam Fox. Let me be crystal clear about that. But it's very 
obvious to me that Adam Fox feels like, fuck, I need to do something to carry the weight of this line because I I am essentially out here by myself. I cannot trust one of these kids, whether it's Hayek, Schneider, or Jones, to play with me the style I want to play. So he has to change. He feels he has to change his game, which he doesn't, but he does. And that fucks up Adam Fox. Why? I will never understand. The biggest criticism I have for Gallant after the game is this has happened to you three times now. Why are you not just moving Miller up? Oh, Why a, is this so hard? I have a couple hard? criticism for Gallant. We have to talk about Gallant in general because now it, you know, it started, the, the thing we did with Quinn, which <laughs> is just the fire Gallant brigade. And I, I want to make this. I, I Everyone knows this who listens to this podcast. Like, I'm not the biggest Gallant guy. I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think he's out. I don't think he's lost the room. And personally, I think it's it's on everybody. It's not just on Glenn. It's on all the players, too. These players are not playing the way, like, you don't need to explain to Chris Kreider what he needs to be playing like at this point in the season. And Chris Kreider's been really good, by the way. But you don't need to describe that to Jacob Truba. You don't even need to describe it to the kids. You don't think Alexi Lafreniere and Kapokako understand how desperate it is to, to be good in this league? Like, what you have to do every single day in and day out Everybody gets a piece of blame pie right here. Gallant does wear his welcome pretty early. I get that. He's done that two other times, Vegas and Florida. He's, I don't know if it's happening right now again. Maybe it is. But right now, it, it's. I don't even know what you'd have to do to get fired. Like, Can three, I, well, three before, more five well, 5-0 losses? While like, we're going what? down this line, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll circle back on the Gallant part because there are parts of it I agree with you and parts that I think I'm more sympathetic can I tell you the narrative that I absolutely hate the most? And I hear is it, it the from, timeout one? No, I, okay. no, it's not even about Gallant. It's just the narrative circling this team that I can't fucking stand the most. Reeves? And there are people I like. Oh, no, it's not Reeves. There are people I like who say it, and I want to make it abundantly clear to the people I like and the people I don't like. If you feel this way. <laughs> I want to make that clear Whoa. right off the rip. No, no, no. no. I, want, I, need, I need to make you that like clear. some of these people? I like some of these people, but they're fucking zombies when it comes to having cognitive thought the people who are like the day they put the c on jacob truba this team changed you have got to be kidding me if you think a stupid fucking letter that doesn't mean anything to the locker room is affecting how this team is playing jacob truba would have been the captain last year if gallant felt like giving out the letter he the locker room leadership is exactly the same. If you want to say they are too comfortable with each other, fine. But putting the C on Jacob Truba is not the reason why the New York Rangers are playing with what you perceive as less heart. You saying that just means you're a fucking moron. And I that I just want to make that very clear off the rip, Ryan. Well, you could have just said you could have just said my name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you haven't said that. I don't, no, no, I've, I've questioned Truba in a lot of ways. I really have. Questioning's uh, fine, but saying, like, this team lost its fight when Truba became the captain, you're a brain-dead zombie. I, I think there are a lot of bad visuals, especially when it comes to Jacob Truba, from a fan perspective, from a, just a outlook. And listen, he's the punching bag right now, big time. Like, there's nobody else to blame. We're not blaming Lieber Hayek. Galant's getting some. But because Jacob Trouba wears that C, which has meaning to some people and people in the NHL, like that's just, it matters to them. He becomes the target. And because he's been playing injured, 
playing like shit at some points, no doubt about it. And going through the situation where it's he's supposed to be this open leader, and the quotes don't come from him. He gets his stick knocked out of his hand. It's it's bad visualization for. No, I will I, I will say this: the quote part is something you say that I do think makes you seem like a bigger moron than I already perceive you to be. I totally get it. Yeah, that is some. You want to know why reporters go to Chris Kreider? It's because they've known Chris Kreider longer. They have a better relationship. With and he's Ryder. a better quote. It's well, it's, not just that; they're just more comfortable with them. They, a reporter can, buddy. If I have to go when I worked in news and I needed a hard answer from someone in the police department about a difficult subject, would I go to someone who might have a higher position of power, but I'm not as familiar with, or someone I know I can ask a hard question to, and they aren't going to change the the relationship, the perceived relationship between me and that person is not going to change. Because I'm asking this hard question. Like that that is just basic media insight. Because you have a relationship already yeah. established. So am I if do I go to the do I go to the police chief to ask the hard question who I'm not very comfortable with and who might have a negative opinion of me because of this hard question? Or am I gonna go to the public information officer who I have a great relationship with, I know is going to give me a quote that I can use, and I know won't hold it against me because he understands my job is to ask this question. I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know how Jacob Trouber is as a leader. I don't. I'm just talking about from a fan perspective, and I could see why people would have bad visuals. And I don't understand why he's totally all the time the punching bag. That I don't get. There's always a punching bag, whether it be Mark Stahl, Dan Girardi. It usually happens to be a defenseman. It usually happens to be someone that's making a lot of money, and they're usually the punching bag. But Jacob Truba, supposedly, and every single other Ranger, everyone, Tells you, I mean, there's a quote from Kapokako today in the Vince article. This is a guy who talks a lot, who's in our ears, who's who's doing the right things. He held a players-only meeting today. Well, he did it last year, too. And you're right. The leadership did not change. He, we, you and I were told last year, Jacob Truba should have the C right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that went to the Easter Conference Finals. Sure did. I, as you know, I'm an idiot and a moron. Oh, you but, definitely are. Uh, and I'm a big Chris Kreider guy. Like, hardcore. Right. If, this he wa- if he wanted the letter, he could have the letter. I promise you. I, I tend to agree with you. Because if he wanted well, you, you it. You tend to agree a- with the very factual thing that I'm telling you? It, it was factual. If he wanted it, he would have had it. Yeah. That's it. He's on a no, no move contract. It's not because they're trying to trade him. It's not because Chris Kreider is a lifelong Ranger. He might retire here for all we know. We don't know. And it, and if he wanted it, he would have it. But Jacob Truba has it. And I don't think it was chosen by this. It wasn't Chris Drury's decision. You know, you know that I am not expressing an opinion when I tell you That's that true. if Chris Kreider wanted the C, he, he could would have t- the C. He that is not it. my opinion. That is a statement of factual <laughs> evidence. Like that is the truth about yes. what happened. They were, if they would offer it to him, and he said, "I do not want it. I do not want it. it's not a burden. He just doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't That's feel it. like he needs it. And you know what? And he's right. I don't, th- I don't think Jacob Truba feels like he needs it. It's just that the Rangers felt like they needed one, so they nominated Truba. And he was like, fine. Yeah, they were like, Troops, you're the captain now. Great. Even though there's six people in there who are captains, it's everyone gets an A. That's how that works. Everyone's got their voice. You don't think Artemi Panarin's voice holds weight? It does. Same thing. You don't think Adam Fox's voice holds weight? <laughs> Big time. Uh, and here we are. Anyway, yeah. that's the Truba rant. Let's go back to Gallant because well, I do think let's that's Let's go back important. to Gallant and we'll do that. We haven't even mentioned, I can't believe this, we're 22 minutes in that Ryan Reeves got traded for a fifth rounder for <laughs> fucking Minnesota. The so. day that I said I don't know if a team would actually trade for him. God yeah, bless Yeah, I said sixth rounder. You were like, maybe a seventh? It was a fifth. So there you but go. But we also both said that draft picks after the fifth round just don't matter. 
That's correct. But they don't. And this one doesn't matter either. It was yeah. getting him off. It was amazing they got anything back in general. But yeah. here we are. Go back the to Galena. The Galena conversation. Um, I am not going to be the bulletproof vest that I think people perceived, perceived us to be with David Quinn. Especially with David Quinn. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it this time. Like, if you want to fire Gerard Gallant, guess what? I'm not standing in your way. Go for it. I, I'm not going to call you dumb. Go like for I it. Just Bring did. in Barry Trotz right now. Like, if you really want to do that. Uh, but like, I'll I'm... warn you. I will warn you. If you expect things to change under Barry Trotz, like all of a sudden kids are going to get magical ice time or the style of play is going to be different, I have news for you. Gerard Gallant plays a very significant Barry Trotz style of hockey. I he don't does. think a lot would change. Yeah, it's um, a lot of it's a lot of forecheck playing in the defensive style and and trying to play to your own strengths and what yeah, you have. Yeah, and Barry team. Trotz trusts guys. He knows who can do a job. Kravtsov would never play on this team, just like Wallstrom never played for the Islanders. Correct, and also like a big reason why kids aren't thrust into opportunities is because NHL coaches, for the most part, don't trust them to do what they need to. The coach would rather play a player who will not create a mistake than play a player who may create an insane opportunity. The NHL coaches, more than any other professional coach, they are incredibly risk-adverse. And by putting kids in positions to play crucial roles adds additional risk. They'd much rather sit there and just have the most boring possible outcome with a Barclay Goodrow than a potentially exciting outcome that also might stress your defense a little with Alexei Lafreniere. Like that is just, that that's just the way it is. Like, I don't know how else to be more clear about that. Uh, but again, like Gerard Gallant, he, he wears on, a, you want to talk about things that wear on a fan base. I think a lot of the Gallant-isms are Aaron Boonish, where like you just get tired of hearing the same thing I'm over so and over again. It, so especially the Kravtsov stuff. And listen, has Kravtsov earned his ice time? No. But has he had the chance to? Not really either. Injury from Hedman where he steps on his neck pretty much. Cool. Then he gets another hit. Cool. Then he has dental surgery. Awesome. But now he's been supposedly cleared to play for about five to seven games. And I don't know. I don't actually know how true that is depending on the dental surgery. We'll see how it is. It's probably pretty painful. Uh, and I know you're like, as we, we're talking about Jacob Truby here trying to take in a seat. If Kravtsov needed more time, he needed more time. I get that. But I'm going to the, under the assumption that he is healthy right now to play. And Ryan Carpenter is not a future, long-term situation for this team. Not even but doing much in the present, if you want to be honest about that's, it. I'll be perfect. That's very true. And I get that Gallant doesn't trust what Kravtsov is. But I think, and I, I this was semi-reported. At the beginning of the season, I don't know if you remember this, Greg, but please fill me in if you do. Mm. It wasn't Galantz, or it was called up on high that Kravtsov put in the second line. I think it was more of a Chris Drury idealism, where it was, hey, we need this guy to work out. Please put him in the second line. Give him a shot. And Galant didn't really do that. And I think Chris Drury knows that he's got something there, but it, it's it's not his call to make the lineup decisions. It's Galantz, and he has to trust him and be on the same page. They work together. Their partnership in some ways, even though even though uh, Drury is Glant's boss. Now he's had the opportunity to take him out. Glant feels like the team has played well, even though it's been uh, what do they have like two regulation wins in all of November? Four, <laughs> like some, I, I believe I saw four. Some pathetic number uh, the Rangers should never be at, and now they're in the fifth spot in the Metro. And all of a sudden, like Kravtsov is still benched. Guy, guys, like I, I get he's trade bait. 
I get he's likely not going to be on this team at, at the trade deadline, but I've been surprised before. I thought Niels Lundqvist would be traded last year. He was not. He was traded this year. Ended up going anyway. I, Zach Jones gets benched all the time. I, I just don't understand when you have these high-caliber, high-upside players that maybe aren't doing what you need. I get that. But they have to be better options than Ryan Carpenter, and you're you're trying. This is a this is not just this year. Even though it feels like this year, and Chris Drury, if if Jones and Kraftsoff get traded for Kane or Meyer or Jacob Chikrin or whoever you name your star player person who you want to go, you better fucking be all in to ready win this year and next year. Because boy, I don't think Kraftsoff's a golden child. I don't think he's I don't think he's that. But he has good potential and good upside. It's not even give him a chance. It just feels negligent. I just can't take it. I can't I can't glance saying, hey, you know, he's happy. He's fine. He's doing his thing. He's he's good. He's on an NHL team. He's fine. That's not what the case was. Like, <laughs> like Kravtsov wanted to come here to play. And Julian Gauthier beat him out, rightfully, by the way, again. But there are players like Kravtsov, uh, uh, that are playing instead of Kravtsov that just blow my mind. I do not get it. Especially yeah, with Reeves I mean, gone. <laughs> Reeves gone now. Yeah, the the Carpenter one, it it just doesn't make sense. It's one thing if, like, Jimmy Vesey has earned his spot on this team. If Jimmy Vesey was the reason why um, uh, Kravtsov was out of this lineup, I think you and I, this would be an extremely different conversation. We'd be like, it's tough, it's difficult, but there's no way you could take Vesey out, blah, blah, blah. That'd, that'd be the tone, the narrative of what exactly it is we are talking about. The problem here is... We're actually talking about Ryan Carpenter because all that needs to happen is Barclay Goodrow slides down, which would be a perfect, absolutely perfect use of Barclay Goodrow, by the way, where you don't want Goodrow playing in the top not top six specifically, but probably top nine as well. Um, the difficult part of this conversation, Ryan, is I can't sit here and say that Vitaly Kravtsov being in the lineup or not being in the lineup. It doesn't change shit. Yeah. So it's... It doesn't change shit. It is a concern. Don't get me wrong. It is something I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. But to me, it comes down to the fact that as angry and disappointed as I am with Gerard Gallant, his bullshit answers to the media, his non-answers to the media, the way he manages his team, the way he reacts when the Rangers have their backs up against the wall. I don't know if you noticed this on Saturday when the Rangers gave up the third goal, he took Panarin off the top line and put VC back up there. He started to play the, well, I can't afford to give up another goal as opposed to shit. Now I need to score another goal. And that's to me, a criminal, criminal move to make because you are officially break up the kids for a second, put Kako back up there. But you're playing. It's a move that shows me you are playing not to lose versus playing to win. Like, yes, yeah, agreed. You've already, give, you've already blown the lead. You've already given up the three goals. The worst thing that could happen to you now is you lose this game. Absolutely. But don't play for the tie. Like, at that point, you almost have nothing to lose. Because if you lose the game, we're just going to feel as shitty as we already do. If you go for the win, if you push your chips all in, if you try to make an aggressive move that will help your team score a point, like, at least... At least go down fighting. Like, he went down on his back. And that is so disheartening, criminal, whatever word you want to move. I'm down with it. At the same time, it's really hard for me to... I I took the step back. I literally... I wandered the city. Ended up in Jersey. Watched some football with our friend Jeff. 
And I was like, we're not talking hockey. We're just going to watch Penn State, and everything's going to be great. You want to know what? Everything was great. Had a wonderful time. Um, But you take the step back, Ryan, and the Rangers had a choice this offseason where they didn't have the cap space to do everything they probably wanted to do. And this is essentially the argument of, is it better to have two 50-cent coins versus having one full dollar and hoping you find loose change in the couch otherwise? I love Vincent Trocek. I'm happy he's here. He's a highly entertaining player. I have a great time watching him. I think Incredibly unlucky do, right now, by the way. Uh, incredibly unlucky, but I think he's going to do a lot of things that will eventually help this New York Ranger team. But if you are building this roster and you don't have complete faith and confidence in Zach Jones being your guy, but you do have enough confidence. It's the messaging Chris Drury had this offseason that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Well, so, it gets worse. It gets worse because I think right, maybe you're going this way, but the rumored line for tomorrow, at least the second line, is Hedo Kako Artemi Panarin. I mean, that's fine by me. I don't care. Like, what, I love that line. I, you wanna, I love you that line. Put, you want to put Trocek anywhere you want in this lineup, by all means, please do. I'm all for it. Um, the way I'm going is he went for a luxury item. He wanted – he felt like this team just needed an upgrade – from Ryan Strom, and that if that was the big ticket item he purchased at the supermarket, everything would be fine. The Rangers would be significantly better. Well, you're also attached to that big ticket item for seven years, but go on. No, but like that's that's what he wanted to do. He wanted the luxury item. You and I never thought Vincent Truba, Vincent Truba, Vincent, Vincent Trocheck, Vincent Truba, Vincent Truba. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> upset about everything right now. Uh, we never really considered Vincent Trocheck as an option because we thought the Rangers would try to be a little bit more pragmatic a little bit more economical. They would do something that clearly, obviously would help the team, but not put them in a financial situation where that was the only move they could really make. Uh, I was a big Stasny guy, but what it comes down to me, Ryan, is there's some kind of miscommunication happening between Gallant and Drury. Oh, big time. I think it's super clear. Drury had to feel confident, had to feel confident, that Zach Jones was going to be the guy. How confident? Not only did he not bring in another seventh defenseman or top six option, he traded Niels Lundqvist. So there, we've talked about the lack of a security blanket with Zach Jones. And for some guys, that's great. It unleashes them. Um, Zach Jones has had an up and down start to the season. I think that's the fairest, most honest answer I can give. I don't think he's been... He hasn't been what I thought he would be. He also hasn't been bad. Um, he hasn't been a sieve, and he hasn't been exploited in ways where I was like, okay, this guy cannot play in the <coughs> NHL. Right, but you traded Lundqvist, yep. which means you have nothing underneath Zach Jones. I know you like Matt Robertson. That's great and good. Even then, he's not ready. No. So you abandoned anything of a backup option for Jones. Now, if Jones hit and the Rangers still had injuries to Truba and Lindgren, we're probably still in this situation. But not only do you have injuries to Truba and Lindgren, one of which will keep Lindgren out of the lineup potentially, and the other of which should keep Truba out of the lineup just based on how he's playing. 
you've set up a scenario where it's November and you have to play Truba through injury. Not just that, what is the communication between you and Gallant where you have one view, Chris Drury, the architect of what Zach Jones is, and the guy you have running your office is like, you're just wrong? That's not what Zach Jones is? That doesn't make any sense. This We've said this before, and I, I, I know we've said this before. This shit doesn't happen in other sports. It a doesn't. GM in the NBA brings in a player, and the coach doesn't just get to not play him. A a general manager makes a trade. The at Knicks the might deadline. do that, by the way. The Knicks. Well, like, the, could... well, no, but I think the Knicks' problem is they never know how to value the guys they draft. But the players they bring in, Ryan, they all play. But the guys they draft, it's always the young guys with the Knicks that don't know. And I do think part of that is you have a agent for a GM and an old school knucklehead for a coach. So yeah, they're gonna again risk adverse, Ryan. That's that's a very key term when it comes to. Guys from the old school. But like in baseball, if you bring up a prospect, you know what that prospect does? He fucking plays. I remember there was a... The, this is how sick I am when it comes to the Mets. There was a random we know. Mets-Reds game towards the end of the year, and the Reds had just brought up Jose Barrio, a guy I love, a guy that you've had opinions about. Uh, and it was an interesting conversation that Gary, Keith, and Ron ended up having because the Reds, late-game situation, they were down a run, Barrio was on the bench, and the Reds brought up some DFA veteran who's been in and out of the team on seven different teams to start the year. They brought him up to pinch hit instead of Barrio. And I very specifically remember Gary Cohen going, make this make sense to me. Why? Like what's the, it, what is the what, point? What is the point of not having the young guy going? And I just remember sitting there going like, I didn't know announcers also thought the way we thought. So like... What is the point of telling of Drury had a plan, whether you liked the plan, whether you thought the plan made sense, whether you would have done this plan yourself. His plan was Zach Jones is ready. Zach Jones can do this. I can spend lavishly in one other area because I'm confident Zach Jones is going to be that guy. Well, I think not only this year too. I think you're saying longer term. He goes, "Hey, Zach Jones is this guy for a long time." Yes, yes, and that's why he felt not just comfortable spending big money on Trocheck, but doing it for such a long term. He was confident that whether it's and it's not just Drury, it's the people he puts around him, the developmental coaches, everybody was confident Zach Jones was going to be this guy. Now, why isn't the coach on? bored with it because that you can't tell me Ryan that Drury's opinion has changed this drastically this quickly I, I can't imagine it has and we'll talk about Jacob Tricker next year you know let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll answer some questions from mailbag uh we'll do some five-star questions as well Jacob Tricker and more so we're going to transition we'll be right back transition okay we are back uh before we left you we were talking about Jacob Chikrin and, and also Zach Jones and other players as well. Uh, so just real quick. So we were like, I don't know, 45 minutes in. Drury did trade Reeves to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth round pick in 2025. Great job. Chris uh, Drury ends up getting value for players he shouldn't get value for. Congratulations. Fifth round picks don't matter. Uh, it ends up being like $6.6 $6 million at the trade deadline. Total, if they wait. That's good. That allows them 
so let's start with five star questions. We're gonna do a couple mailbag stuff. There's a we got a lot of comments because well, it was a crazy fucking week, and uh, because of that, we will uh, start with five star questions and go to some questions from Twitter. Let's start with the chicken thing. With the Reeves trade, do we talk? This is from Chris from Norway. Do we with the Reeves trade? Do we talk? Uh, my brain just exploded. Do we talk chicken again at the deadline rather than adding depth D, or is it impossible money wise for the next years? He is not a rental. Jacob Shurkin right now makes $4.6 million for the next three years, including this year. If the cap goes up $4 million, it is not a problem to keep him for the years to come. It's not an issue. Actually, it would be a benefit for the Rangers to tra- trade for Jacob Chikrin and get him for long term rather than a Kane or a Timo Meyer because it's not just a this year solution, it's a three year solution. Uh, would the Arizona Coyotes trade Jacob Chikrin for, I don't know, Zach Jones and Kraftsoff and a first? Maybe, but the rumors have been a lot higher than that. But they can't afford him. He is not a rental. You are correct. And it's not impossible money-wise, especially with the possible chance that the cap jumps $4 million, which would be exactly what you need to fit Jacob Chikrin. That being said, you do have a lot of fit a lot of other players. Uh, Lexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller to name two. So there's a lot to go on. Well, I think there's an uncomfortable conversation that needs to start sooner rather than later. Yep. Um... Because here's the thing, guys. If the Rangers fail this year, you can't just run it back with what they have. And while it's really fun and you think you're smart and you think you're Brad Pitt and Moneyball by saying, oh, the Rangers could take trade Kreider and Truba, it's not actually the conversation of the players you need to be having the conversation about. And, and they can't be traded. Can't be they traded. Can't, they can't it's, be moved to 2024. It's the Heatles, the Lafreniers, the Cacos that are going to be on the chopping block. And it's... It's one of them where the Rangers are going to feel like this core is too good for us to not go out and add a big piece. And the pieces teams will trade for are the pieces they can afford. Those are the kids. And and they're right, by the way. You have a prime Adam Fox. You have a prime Igor Shesterkin. Mm-hmm. And you have two other players that you don't get on your team very often. are Temi Panarin and Mika Sabinachat. Mm-hmm. You are a talented team, which mm-hmm. is why this entire November is so goddamn shocking. Because guess what? The Rangers are on paper extremely good. Like, top, the depth is crazy, star power, the best goalie in the league, a Norris winning defender. There's a lot of great. This is so much great. And yet, and yet, we just can't figure out a way. Can't, this, I want to read this text message I got from Stephen Lomayer, who is one of our big time supporters. Because great teams always find a way to win. But how about teams that always find a way to lose? This is getting ridiculous. And I think that's the best way I've heard to describe this way's, this year's New York Rangers. Because last year's New York Rangers always, 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 no matter how shitty they looked, found a way to win. And this year, it's always, I think this team's winning, and they just find new ways to lose and, and shock me and, and say, I can't I can't believe this is the way they're losing. It's a, It's... The whole team and Galant. It's not. It's the whole culture that's that's with the team right now. It's not. A, it's not one particular player's fault. Everybody. Yeah, I. It's so much easier for us for any fan to be like, it is X, Y, and Z. That is what this was wrong with this team. I can fix this team with one quick stroke of a pen. That is the thing I need to do in order to do blah blah blah. And it's like it's always nice in theory, but it's that's just never. That's just never it. Um, but to the Chikrin point, it is just... Uh, I, I am without words how somehow Ryan Lindgren, as much as I like him as a player, as much as I enjoy him, 
from the fan perspective. He, like, before yesterday's game, Ryan, I tried to do this exercise uh, with our buddy Dan LaRose, who organized, by the way, shout out Dan, organizes these meetups every year. They are always great, even though rarely the Rangers win. Um, Last time they won was Hank's final game at MSG, yes. unbeknownst to him. Yes. Uh, but I, I asked him, like, before that game starts, where would you rank Ryan Lindgren in terms of in terms of indispensable Ranger players? And you go down the list. I think he's like nine, right? I don't Well, you go down the list. He's not more in before the game starts. He's not more important than Mika. He's not more important than Fox. He's not more important than Panarin. He's not more important than Igor. He's not more, not more than important Kreider. than Kreider. He's probably like, so the absolute highest you would put him is sixth. I mean, that even that's generous. That's generous. The absolute highest you'd put him is sixth. Like you're probably not putting him before Keandre Miller. So he's probably seventh if you wanted to be super aggressive about it. How is it that your seventh most important Ranger, when he leaves the lineup, is the one that causes everything to fall apart each time? How did this team allow themselves to get into this situation? And it's some of it is coaching. Because again, it's, be, it's bewildering to me how Miller isn't the guy that immediately moves up. And again, it is coaching that it takes a coach to tell Truba, buddy, you're not fucking playing. Because here's what happens if you play. If someone else gets injured, I can't take Miller off your side because I need him to prop you up. So if you if you need to play a player as a crutch, buddy, should it be in the lineup? That's you coaching. Know, I, I've had a lot of people talk about Miller too, and I thought Miller had an excellent first two periods involved by a bit of a disaster third. But again, he's it, it is up to your partner as well. You talked about, and this is not a criticism on Miller or Truba, but when you're holding up your partner, similar to Adam Fox when he's playing with Brandon Schneider, you do stupid things. You you make moves. In his head, he probably knows what actually is going on with Jacob Truba. And that allow, that forces him to play in a different way, in a different mindset he's usually playing. It gets yes. him off his game as well. Yes, and it these guys are creatures of habit. Every athlete is a creature of habit. And They're all he, psychopaths. All he is going into each game being like, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, it could potentially cause my team to lose because I'm not picking up the slack to do something my partner needs me to do for him. So it changes the way. Keandre Miller is changing the way he's playing because he feels like he has to adjust his game in order to protect Jacob Chuba. And Adam Fox does the exact same thing whenever Ryan Lindgren leaves this lineup. He changes his game because he feels like he has to protect one of these kids that is not ready for the moment Adam Fox is playing in. And he's probably right. But that it still changes his game. That's still a coaching decision. It's, instead of, it's like instead of the Rangers playing with one complete line, they're now playing with two incomplete lines when Lindgren leaves the game. And it's, it's, it's beyond frustrating. And it's neither here nor there. But the chikrin part of this is simple. It's just like, a team, a baseball team that goes into a season with only five starting pitchers is going to lose. No team goes an entire year without injuries. You hope to avoid major injuries to your most important players, but people are going to get hurt. And I'm not saying you need six Keandre Millers backing up this defensive pairing 
in order to be successful. But the Rangers don't have seven defensemen. They, According to Gerard Gallant, they don't even have five. Like, they are two defensemen short in the eyes of their coach every night that they dress a fully healthy lineup. That's unacceptable. Either, either from the coach's perspective or your general manager's perspective. One of them is immediately wrong. And I know for a fact that even if Drury feels he has six, he doesn't have seven. So he they're both at fault in terms of preparing for this exact scenario. And part of the reason why the Rangers record is what it is whenever Lindgren comes out of the lineup, it's not just that Lindgren himself is a good player. It's that they have never had anyone that can move up to replace him. And that is bewildering. How is that possible? This is a team that thinks they can legitimately be one of the last four teams standing in the National Hockey League. And not once did they think their oft-injured top-pairing defenseman needed a backup option? It is is bonkers. I I am skipping some five-stars here because we did cover a lot of them. So this is from Toaster Daddy. Uh, when was the last time you remember a goal review going our way? I'm sure they they went our way, but I didn't care. So that's <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, you? I, you only notice the stuff that happens. It really pisses you off. Though. Yeah, that's that's all of the internet, by the way. In case you were wondering, you what? don't notice all the good. You no. just only notice the stuff that pisses. Are you, you sure? Off. This is from Cal. Does Gallant only say two sentences going to the third period? It seems the team comes out thinking they know how the game will end, so they go all autopilot. I get there's player leadership, but why doesn't Gallant get this team fired up? I want a coach that gets mad, not just disappointed. That's just not his style. He's a player coach. And 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 by the way, Cal, just and thanks for writing in. I do agree with you. A lot of the Rangers' losses, I'm not putting this in glam, but at least a lot of the Rangers' losses have been, at least in my opinion, on the team going autopilot, thinking they had the game won. Yeah. That, that's been four times this year, at least, where they're like, okay, we put this game away, we're up 2-0, we're up 3-0, whatever. And the other team says, who the fuck are you to say that? Comes back and beats the Rangers. They don't respond. Yeah. That's maddening. Part of that... I remember once upon a time, a big criticism we had for David Quinn is that it seemed like the Rangers were always giving up goals in the first three minutes of a hockey game. Uh, well, sometimes the first two minutes. Yeah, yes. but within the first within the first 180 seconds, if there was a failure, that's a failure you can put on a coach because that is simple game preparation. That is simple. Here's what I need to do before this game begins to be successful. And if I do X, Y, and Z... I can be successful. And if you are not doing them, uh, that, like not having your team prepared at a cert- at any point, that is a coaching issue. And I do think some of this you can put on Gallant in terms of whether he wants to be a rah-rah guy, whether he wants guys to be super excited, or he thinks he just needs to manage the room. That's all fine and good. But if you're not doing anything, then you are failing the roster laid out in front of you. And I... I I don't think it takes much um, to understand that. Like, I'm not saying Gerard Gallant needs to lean into these guys like Lou Pinella would every night or anything like that. But you have to hold people accountable and you can't wait until after the game to do it. That's too late. You fucked up. It, it, time has passed you by that you needed to use if you are waiting until the final whistle to be like, you know, you guys, uh, wake the fuck up. Yeah, something. I totally agree with you. Uh, this is from Adam Furlong, and uh, this isn't a question, but I think an observation. I'm not sure it's 
I'm not sure exactly what it's trying to say, but here we are. Do you guys remember when the Canadians came out of nowhere to advance to the Stanley Cup Final in 2021, or when the Islanders made it to the Eastern Conference Finals out of nowhere in 2020? No particular question, just wondering, those, just have those two teams bouncing around in my head for no reason at all. I wonder what those two teams are up to now. Well, first of all, the Canadians, I know, are a tire fire, but they at least have some good talent. And they got a better coach, by the way. It was also and the COVID. Islanders are still everything, good. everything goes out the That was, they, the Canadians yes. were playing just Canadians. It was a COVID year. I don't take anything that happened that year. Seriously, or as and the Canada. Islanders are still good, dude. They're st- there's they're in it right now. Yeah, and the, also that Islander team that quote oh unquote, he's came saying out of, they have new coaches. That's interesting. But no, <laughs> but that okay. that team that came quote unquote out of nowhere, uh, they came out of nowhere not because they were bad, but because they were boring. Like we didn't think anything of the Islanders because they didn't play a visually pleasing style of hockey. They were not a fun team to watch, so we didn't think a lot of things were going to happen for them in terms of long-term playoff success. But it wasn't because they were bad. And it wasn't because they didn't have the talent. It's just the style of play where I didn't care to watch those Islander teams because they fucking, they were fucking boring. Like, there's no other way they to describe boring. it. They're boring, but they were good. They knew exactly who they were. That's, yes. that's really important. The Rangers they think have... they know who they are. And, and they, they don't have they a fucking do clue. They have no clue. They don't have a fucking clue. They don't. This is from uh, this is from Osberg. Guys, is there anything to do except fire the coach? Yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And again, this isn't all on the land. We talked about that a lot. This is from J-Play. So the Rangers need to retool. They can't, dude. This is... The cap is... There's, they are fully capped out for the most part but until the trade deadline. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. The fact that someone feels like they have to ask the question if the Rangers have to retool... That's on Chris Drury. How did he not think of this? I I that, get that Trumbull schools blow, but that is unbelievable. <laughs> Billy Rats asks, at what point should Drury step in and force Galant's hand in regards to Kraftsoff? He's only gotten six games so far this season, and even if he played like six full games, I don't think that'd be enough to make a decision if he should, can hang on to him. Should have already done it. Like what, I agree with you. Well, it should have been how, how many? Again, I, it's so fucking confusing to me that the National Hockey League's the one league where Coaches just get to do whatever the fuck they want. There are no consequences. There's no expectation. They just get to fill out a lineup card however they fucking feel. The coach never outlasts the GM. Why isn't the GM more hands-on? What the coaches does is going to greatly impact whether the GM continues to have a job. So why not hire a guy who will do exactly what you want him to fucking do? It is crazy. Uh, and, and, and Glenn, again, Easter Conference Finals last year. Has a good resume. Has done this with a couple teams. But it does fall off quick, and we might be watching the wheels right now. Mm-hmm. This is from Walkie324. When I watch the United States men's team, am I just watching the Rangers on grass? Great offense and chances, but no scoring. My man, the USA team did amazing. They were fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they were very close to beating England. Uh, they probably honestly deserve to beat England. We talked about Truba a lot already, uh, Ben Weber, so we will move on from that one. Yeah, still brain and, dead, by the way, if you think about uh, Truba. <laughs> That's probably the hardest take I've ever had against our listeners, who, again, I mostly like all of you, uh, but I can't emphasize the lack of brain activity if you think a player wearing a certain letter is why the Rangers are I, I or are sympathize with, with y'all, but you know how Greg feels about me. Um, yeah, that's not a good thing for anybody <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> they know, they know. Uh, Isbox says, talk us off the cliff, gents. We are trying to. Uh 
what do you what do you see that gives us hope is that this is the bottom and is there anywhere to go but up from here this is not the bottom oh this is it not could the get bottom. worse oh it, it yeah. could get worse i think uh it's called april buddy and uh if april comes and the rangers are in like a solid playoff spot woo, woo, well it's bad it's real bad it's really bad um, all right, let's go to Twitter questions because there are a lot more. Actually, one of the one of the biggest questions we got all day, Greg, but while I pull this up is mm. uh, why and how and what. Okay. And I think to answer all of those is you and I have said a lot on this show. What? It's not time to panic yet. I talked about January 10th being the panic date. I'm, I'm getting closer to hitting the button. I am. <laughs> I just don't think panic's the right word. I think you should be frustrated. I think you should be disappointed. I think you can be upset. But like... I, I maybe I've just skipped panic where like I don't know what when panic I panic when like there's a fixable solution here and yeah the Rangers need to add defense but they just can't so like why panic when nothing's gonna change I don't know I I I, I don't know how to express my um I uh... discontent no I I mean I know I know how to express oh that. that's true that's actually we've done that. That's not a problem. I just, like, should you be panicking? The Rangers aren't, it's really frustrating because, again, the Rangers should have more wins than losses this year. And the fact that they don't is not because of the talent that they have accumulated to get to this point. It's just shit that is changeable from within the own locker room that you and I can't change. It's guys playing a full 60. It's coaches making certain moves. It's the GM making certain decisions. But, like, the house is on fire, but it's because of a lightning strike and not arson. Matt Jackson asks, hey, Ryan, first time, long time. What is the chance percentage Dolan makes a rash decision at the deadline? Well, you can't. Probably... I got bad news for him. What's the rash decision? Yeah, Magically you can't do print it. more money? Can't do it. He would love to. I promise you. He would. Uh, this is from Matthew. Serious question. Do you honestly see them, this team making the playoffs? Yes. They have to. It is a tough division, but the team is too talented on paper. And I know we're a fourth of the way into the season. There's a lot of left hockey left to play. Ups and downs for all teams. And I know the Devils right now are on a heater. I get that. But boy, they have to make it. And there's no other option. Yeah. I mean, they should. I, I, they ha- They should. If they don't, it's the biggest organizational failure. I'm trying to think of the last time. I don't know. Like, is it the Rangers? Even, oh boy, I don't know. Long time. Probably long, long since time. like I don't know the '90s. Probably, probably, probably '96, something like that. Yeah, like the Rangers should have won more than one cup. That's an organizational failure. But like even. Vigneault's last year, the Rangers had already decided what they were, which is a team rebuilding. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I It would be a massive organizational failure. This is from Dan C. I think this is a legitimate question. Why do people care so much about the 12th forward and 6D? Do baseball fans care this much about the ninth hitter and long relievers? Every yes. psychopath cares this much about their team. Yes. But also, it that's unfair. It's unfair... To make that comparison, first of all, like, it, trust me, obviously this guy is not a Met fan. You want to know how many Met fans are complaining about James McCann and Tomas Nito at different points this year? Yeah, they care about the guy hitting ninth. And um, 
the six, the long man and the ninth hitter are not the same as at no point in any scenario would I ask James McCann to be my cleanup hitter. Whereas my sixth D with this team specifically, when you have a roster full of players playing positions where not only do have they, do they have track records of getting hurt, but it's a high volatility sport where injuries are going to happen. Your sixth D is going to have to play minutes in the top four at some point this season. It's more along the lines of I, teams care about who their number four starting pitcher is. You can't just have a scrub in that position and expect to be successful. That's the more apt crossover comparison. It, yeah, your 6D is a super important position. That guy's playing 18 minutes a night. He's playing more than the majority of your forwards. And if a defenseman takes a penalty, he's probably playing the penalty kill too. So it's like, yeah, the Rangers fuck this up by not having a guy that either their coach trusts at 60 or that their general manager thought was ready for 60. That's And then not only that, Ryan, everybody's excited about this Dallas, Dallas pick. Good for fucking you. But you, by trading Niels Lundqvist, no fucking safety net. It does not exist. None. And you knew and this I, I know happen. Niels wanted to ask for a trade. I know he wanted out of here. I know long-term he didn't see himself as, as, a, as a money-making potential for the New York Rangers because he was never going to run a power play. Adam Fox exists. Totally get it. But that's not that's not up to him. That's not it. You, you owned his contract. Dem, dem the breaks, Ryan. Dem the breaks. Why do I let sports ruin my Saturday? Great question, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a lot question. better. I'd rather sports ruin my Saturday than something else. That's true. There's a lot of bad in the world. Sports is uh, one of the one of the good things that can ruin your Saturday if you really think about it that way. It's the least important. It's the most the least important, important, least important, important thing. thing. Yes. Um, LG, how would you guys gauge the current temperature of a glance seat? Has it gotten any hotter through this stretch? I still think it's pretty cold. I think it, I think it's freezing. Yeah. Uh, coming from this is from Steve Stonehand Steve, which is uh, this question is very apt. Coming from Kakos. Coming from a Kako supporter, has he inherited Strom's powers of missing wide nets and open chances? Boys and girls, I want to say this out loud. Two years ago, Kapo Kako was one of the worst players in the NHL. He was terrible. He was awful. He showed almost no signs of being good at all. He does everything right now except finish. If the finishing comes, I'll be very happy. I'm very proud, and I wish he would finish. It kills me, but we've come so far. And it does actually matter. Thank you, Lincoln Park. Uh, is this team good? No. Thanks, Rick. Uh, <laughs> uh, when do we worry? We're almost there. Right, no, you can worry. I just, I don't worry. know if like panic is such a panic means something else to me. I, I, I don't know. I just like, I'm not panicked. I'm just pissed off. I think there's a big difference. It's from Lou, our dear friend. Uh, where do you have to be in the standings for us to end up being sellers instead of buyers? At the dead. Who are they going to sell? Who yeah. are they going to sell? No, honest yeah. question. Like, Le- legit- is- legitimately, the options for selling are Lindgren, Heedle, yep. Yep. Alexi Lafreniere, yep. Keandre Miller. Yeah, Ryan the Carpenter? guys, like, <laughs> I got bad news for anybody that's like, oh, no, you know, the Rangers. Oh, Sa- Sammy Blay? What are you getting for Sammy Blay? A sixth? Oh, like, what? That'd be nice. Oh, well, you're Pavel Buchnevich in a second? Yeah. <laughs> Trades vaccines? Um, yeah, I, the pro- part of the reason why this would be such an organizational failure is there's no way out. <laughs> You're stuck here. This is it. I know. <laughs> Welcome Michael to the Titanic. Said, Let's see if it gets across the Atlantic. 
Michael Puma asks, what are the biggest differences you see in this season compared to last season? And I think we already talked about this, is that last year they found ways to win games, and this year they're just, they let teams back into games way too easily. Well, it's, it's like, it's, it's like this team's good enough to get a lead and good enough to control play, and then it, they just assume that, like, oh, the other team's dead. Like, we, we killed them. They don't have the, they don't have that spirit in them anymore. We've, we've, we've ended this advantage us. And it's like, man, these are still professional athletes that would really like to win. You are not giving them the credit they deserve. I think that's it for, for questions. We kind of covered every single topic this week. Uh, An interesting week, play the senators two times in three days. Uh, Devil's game obviously already happened as you're listening to this. To be honest, a lot of what we covered doesn't matter the result, even if, unless they lost terribly, of which they could have, and I hope they didn't. Uh, but even if they win in a big way, doesn't doesn't change. There's a lot this team has to do, a lot. Gregor, any final thoughts on this podcast? Um, no, I kind of kind of wish baseball teams would start making moves so I'd be distracted. Like I don't care I enough about Mike Clevenger to really have my day change. World Cup's been good though. World Cup's been good. It's been unpredictable in a way that is very shocking. Like, didn't have Morocco on top of a group that included, what, Belgium? Canada was super excited for five minutes today, so that was cool. Yeah, Canada's probably my biggest disappointment. I thought they had a chance. To go from having a chance to get out of that group to being the first team eliminated from the World Cup, that's a tough look. That is That sucks. No other way to say it. Well, Uh, they'll they'll be back in like 50 years or so. You have, I mean, USA, Iran, dude. You have to win. No shit. To win. If they lose, they're out. <laughs> that's that's a good point, Ryan. If they don't yeah, win, I think they're in trouble. That's good sports commentating. Yeah. Um, if you, you want to panic about something, that's a situation where you can panic. Like, yeah. there's no tomorrow for the U.S. men's national team should they not win. That is panic worthy. Uh, other things, not so much in my eyes. Just not so much. So, uh, again, depending on the result of the Devils game, Greg might put a little solo rant up on our Patreon. If not, Thursday, you'll hear from us to talk about the Devils game and also uh, the Oil- the Ottawa Senators game. Fun times. We'll talk to you guys then. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Reimeek. Follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Okay, end of the show. Got to thank all our Patreon subscribers, but especially our NHL Insiders Club, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Anna Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lekos, Brandon Magnum, Brandon, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stelligan, Connor Ruby Damage, Daniel Zizan, David Narrative, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Ratt, Eric Stagg, Gary Rennes, Kip Carter Cup, Gary Scott, Harris Nasco, Happy 89, Alice Saws, Eve Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, JD, John Jocks, Francois Jean, 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 uh, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh, Josh Kestebaum, Josh Friedman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, going to the next page, going, 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 going. Laser Gronowski. Um, one, I need to watch the video again to really get that down. Lou Giordano, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodarev, Pro World Takes Gamer, Randy Tesser, Steve Bullbach, Bullbach? Oh, sorry. Uh, Swingard, Tommy, Thomas Welsh, Tommy Sinclair, Thomas Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Turfman, Vinny Upstate, Vin, Vinny Hayville, Will Spectre, and Winston Nuggle, then Red Draver. Usually at this point of the show, I would do like a five to eight minute rant about something with the Rangers, but we talked a lot about the Rangers, and I have to be up at 5 a.m. to get on a plane. Uh, don't know if they won beat the Devils? Fuck, I hope they did. Fuck, I hope they did, man. I can't with this team. I don't really get it. I don't really understand. So, uh, you heard it all. Hey, if you have, if you are listening to this 
uh, at this point. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. So send someone to me on, on at Orion Meet. I'll get back to it when I'm on a plane for six hours, either Monday or Wednesday night when I'm taking a red eye. Woo! Love you guys. See you soon. Bye. The best time to get a great deal on a Jeep SUV is now during the Summer of Jeep event. Visit Jeep.com or your local Jeep brand dealer to find the perfect Jeep SUV for you. Hurry in and make this the Summer of Jeep. Right now, during the Summer of Jeep, purchase and get 10% below MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Compass Limited 4x4 or Renegade Latitude 4x4. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 731-23. Jeep is a registered trademark.